Hello and welcome to Lightmap from SIFTA. On Lightmap, we explore what it takes to make video games and interactive media from creative teams all around the world. It's a guide to those interesting new gameplay experiences. In every episode, you get to meet a new team of developers, of artists, musicians, researchers, and more. My co-host on this episode is Mitchell Lowe. Hi, Mitch. Hello, and uh, it's good to be here. Uh, on this episode, we're joined by Oscar Britton and Rob Gross from Henry's House, the developers of the card store management game, Cardboard Kings. Let's jump in. You like insightful discussions about those high-profile games that everyone's talking about? Then why not check out Sifter's other podcast, Mainstream, in your podcast feed right now. We talk about those high-profile titles, those triple A's, some of those other smaller indie darlings, featuring insights from the award-winning Sifter team and other special guests. You can find Mainstream in your podcast player. That's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or head to the Sifter website. That's sifter.com.au. Hi, I'm Kyle Paletto. And I'm Gianni De Giovanni. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 5th of May. Escape from Tarkov developers relent, allowing access to PvE mode for players who bought an all-DLC bundle, but not before saying, sorry, you're mad. Solo developed Manor Lords and indie city builder break sales and Steam records. Take-Two shuts down studios behind Kerbal Space Program and Oli Oli World. And we wrap all the cool things announced at ID at Xbox. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Oscar and Rob, how would you describe what Cardboard Kings is? How do you play this game? What sort of things would people be familiar with? And what sort of things are you trying to do new? Yeah, so it's a game where you run a card shop. Your father uh, passes away under mysterious circumstances and you inherit his card shop. And uh, when you get there, there's, you become embroiled in this like crazy conspiracy revolving around like, like legendary cards and corporate takeovers and the world champion comes in and like causes trouble. And uh, yeah, it's like a store kind of management game, but we we wanted to do something a bit different with it instead of like, we, we looked at a lot of management games and we were like, they don't seem to be about managing things as much as they're about like growing things and, and about like exponentially just kind of becoming this tycoon. Um, and we, yeah, we, we wanted to really like drive a wedge between the, the words like management and tycoon. We, this isn't a tycoon game. So yeah, you're, you're meant to be like just, kind of keeping an equilibrium on like a small local game shop where you uh yeah you just kind of like chat to customers like sell cards buying cards that people want you know help them out it's it's like very like uh we wanted to get like that local community feeling of, of when you go into like you know like uh when you're like a regular somewhere you know what i mean was creating a really diverse and really interesting set of characters part of that for you it was weird the characters were much less of a big part at the start. Originally, we were going to have it that you're like in your uh, basement buying and selling cards online. Your, mo- your mother's basement. That's right, your mother's basement. And yeah. we started doing that and we realized it's not that exciting looking at like a blank wall the whole yeah, yeah. game. So we thought we should add a shop. And then at some point, um, we thought needed a bit more personality and that's sort of when the characters came in. It was actually a, quite late into the development process, the characters. Yeah, shout out to uh, Simon Boxer, developer of uh, Ring of Pain, who 
who has kind of been there the whole time we've been developing this game and just kind of criticizing it, being like, I don't know, I don't know, it's fine. And at some point we were just sort of like, oh, like we, we think the gameplay systems are really good, but what is this game missing? And he's like, bro, it's not thirsty enough. <laughs> and we're like, what? And he's like, you just need some hot daddies in there, man. And I was like, all right. That's not Simon. That's not how Simon Boxer talks at all. <laughs> imagine like, imagine like Nigel Thornbury saying what I just said, and that's Simon Boxer. Um, so t- tell me a little bit about like what some of the like systems and things that you know people will be playing through this game because you, you know talking about managing a small store. Um, but what do you do in the day today? How does that all play out? Because you've got a bit of that. You mentioned there's a bit of thirst in there, but how are you how are you getting these people into your shop so you can uh, you know interact with them? Yeah, uh, I think we, I don't know when this came about, when we kind of came up with it, but we we kind of were like, we can't just have money be sort of like your only indicator of success or progress. So we, we came with like reputation kind of uh, gauge. So it's all about like balancing reputation and money and like having a high one will kind of mean your other one gets a bit lower and those will sort of change the opportunities and, and things that happen. So, you know, you've got a lot of money, you've got obviously like buy a lot of cards, host a lot of events, things like that. Whereas like higher reputation will mean you just get more like foot traffic, you know, you'll, you'll kind of form better relationships with your customers and things like that. Um, and yeah, so like a, like a day to day sort of, it, it, it sort of plays out in these like weird little like turns. Like, and originally it was this weird turn-based game that, then became real time at some point. So you, you kind of like spend the morning like putting things out and then like, you know, in that there's a, an early morning lull before anyone comes in, you'll be like kind of going through, trying to find some good deals on on G-Bay. It's not eBay, it's G-Bay. And, uh, and then you're like out throughout the day, you'll get like, you know, the regulars come in at certain times, you want to deal with them. And then you'll get like phone calls later in the day, like people who haven't been able to get in because they've got work. So they'll be like, I'm looking for this card. You'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll try and find that. And then at the end of the day, you close up and then you spend, you know, into the, the the late hours of the evening, sort of like trawling through the internet, trying to find like listings and things of like that that card that someone wanted specifically. And like, yeah, so it's, it's that kind of thing. And then you can, you know, also then there's, you can throw uh, tournaments, you can host like parties and things for when sets are released. What else can you do? People... People come in and ask you like to rate their deck. Be like, is this one good or should I go with this? You can do trades with people. You can have fish and chips on the beach. With You can decorate your shop. You can do that. You can buy and, and do decorations. You can join the union and like support them. Uh, what else can you do? You can entertain the fantasies of a multimillionaire game designer uh, you can try and help a supermodel find her lost dog, but the dog is actually trying to get away from her just because the dog really wants to play card games. Um, you can teach this little streamer kid like a life lesson, like he's like a real tryhard, and you can kind of like help him kind of become like less of a little shit. Or can I swear? Sorry. <laughs> it's done now. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> but I think that's probably an apt description of Kevin who just comes into your shop and is just like, you know, holding his phone up, streaming to his friends and like t- calling you a boomer and you're quite obviously like 20 something. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rip it on you. <laughs> yeah. I think Kevin is like, secret. he's like low, low key, like the best character in the game because like everyone kind of hates him. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't know. There was there was like a lot of thought went into Kevin. There was like a lot of like iterating because we we wanted like a lot of different. We wanted to like reference a lot of stuff like you know streamers and like influencers and and kind of have a laugh at that, but at the same time we didn't want to date the game too much. So instead of laughing at like you know influencers or whatever, we we're laughing at like a kid who desperately wanted to be an influencer but like kind of sucked at it. So. Yeah, since we've added him as well, we've noticed in real life so many Kevins. Like me and Oscar will say to each other, we saw a Kevin in the cafe today. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, some little wiener kid like on his phone. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe there um, you know, there might be uh, a Kevin out there who makes their name playing Cardboard Kings and you could be like, oh, that Kevin's taking me all the way to the bank, mate. You never know. <laughs> could, could happen. Might it's be true. changing a tune. I think it's really great that you've managed to capture the whole getting the store ready in the morning because I think it it made a it it gave me a bit of almost anxiety from when I was working in retail, like watching that clock tick, and then like oh my god, it's nine a.m. People are going to start coming in soon. I got to get stuff ready, and that was pretty amazing. Uh, and uh, there, there was a lot, yeah, there was a lot in this game that was like. I, I worked uh, in a video store, which I sort of based a lot of this game on my experiences working there and just like, yeah, opening up, like getting people calling on the phone, like the regulars and like the requests thing sort of came from that, like people coming and being like, I'm looking for this thing. Do you know this? Like, you, I'm looking for a movie that had that guy from that, like uh, it might've been last year or like five years ago. Um, and like it, he did this thing in it and you're like, yeah, I know the film. Yeah. <laughs> so like there was, yeah, just a lot of those experiences and, and just trying to get like my girlfriend worked at the same video store as me and she was like, oh, you need like more people coming in that are annoying as shit. <laughs> She's like, there's not enough annoying stuff in this game and it doesn't make me stressed out. So I was like, all right, so. It reminds me of my days when I worked in a comic shop, actually, a very similar sort of experience. Sometimes people just come in and they don't really need anything or whatever. They just come in and chat and you've got characters in there who just seem to like rock up and talk and then go, oh, no, I don't need anything. Just walk out of the shop. And I'm like, yep, there you go. Nailed it. Perfect. That's exactly what that experience is like. Yeah. Yeah, David just walking in. He's just like, I want to discuss uh, the implications of the booster pack on the car game industry. And you talk to him for like an hour and you're like, do you want to buy anything? He's like, no, no, I think I'll be fine. And just like walk off. And you're like, um, you pull a bit of your life experience there to kind of, um, to make this game. Cause I'm wondering what some of the games that sort of influenced or some of the things you were systems you were thinking about when you were designing uh, this game. Cause for me, it reminds me of, of games I used to play, uh, which are like uh, drug wars or dope wars. It was called, I played it on my graphics calculator in high school um, where you're buying and selling things. Um, but there's also feels like there's elements of, you know, those Harvest Mooney sort of things or um, uh, Animal Crossing where you've got a day to go and complete all your tasks and you've just got to finish it and, and go through. Can you tell me, are, are those things that influence the game uh, or is that just bits that I've sort of pulled from my own experience? We, yeah, like Stardew Valley. I think you mentioned like Harvest Moon. There was like a lot of that kind of like having an end of day wrap-up screen. Um, like a lot of management games kind of just have you just kind of go work, like work through the night you know what I mean? Like you're this, you know, omnipotent God or whatever, but like having a character that you are controlling. So like was pretty important to us. Um, yeah. I can't remember anything else we played. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what else? Oh, like Animal Crossing. Like, so there was like lockdown and stuff. Um, and I 
think we played a lot of like Animal Crossing and we were just sort of like trying to work out what was enjoyable at all about that game. So there were like definite times of like, we need to slow this down and make it the UI clunky and horrible. And it probably is still in there a little bit. I know we, we sped things up a lot. Um, yeah, it's funny. At yeah. one point, like I was going to, we were going to speed up. Well, it still does happen. The first day is like three times quicker than the rest of the days in the game. You don't even notice it. Yeah. And um, I accidentally sped up every day by three times. And we didn't notice it for like three months. And then I told Oscar, like, did you know the game's like three times quicker? He was like, no. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot better. <laughs> so we just left it in. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because we've got all the old builds. And I like pulled open this one that we sent to Simon Boxer. Um like beginning of 2020, I think. I remember the day we sent it, like I picked him up. We went to this like art exhibition and he's in the back of the car and I was driving and I was like, so what did you think? And he's like, uh, and I kind of like turned around. You know that scene in like Pulp Fiction where he's like got the gun and he like turns around. He's like, so blah, blah, blah. And I felt like I was doing that to him. Like, what did you think of my game, man? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it's really slow and it's really boring. <laughs> Yeah, he was right. He was right. Yeah. But like, yeah, we, we added a lot of the personality to it and things and then just sped it up and realized that because we wanted, yeah, we were like, oh, it should be this wholesome kind of chill, chill game. And then at some point we realized that's not what running a shop is. And we were like, let's move away from like inspiration from games and more just take inspiration. Yeah. From like real life when you are just like, oh my God, I've got to get all this finished. And oh my God, these people are coming in and stuff. But, but yeah, at the same time, also, there's like so many things. We, we did a podcast like a year ago or something. We we're talking about someone was like, yeah, it's weird because you've made this game and it feels like you haven't done like you, it's like you never played any shopkeeping games and then you made one and you took inspiration from like everything but shopkeeping games. It's like we, we were like, oh, well, we don't want to have like people. This is, We've added this since because it's such a good mechanic, but like people coming in and like getting upset and then leaving because you didn't serve them. And we were like, we don't want to have that. We just want it to be this like different experience. And then, yeah. So I think, yeah, we, I don't know. We've ended up at this weird kind of like place where it's, we, we tried not to take too much inspiration from like games that are about running a show up, you know? One of the things that I really liked um, was, I guess, the variety of all the different cards. Um, and as you go through, the new sets get released and you see these different themes of artworks and things like that. Can you tell me a little bit about the process of, of getting that artwork designed uh, for the cards of, uh, of Warlock in the actual game? Yeah, the art has gone through so many iterations. Initially, we were going to use uh, Adobe stock art. There's a lot of really good like stock art on Adobe. Um, well, really good for exactly the kind of game we were looking at making. So, like yeah. this game originally, I was like pitching it as like a three month little game we would make, and we'll put it out for like five bucks, and we'll just make and we'll just get a bunch of stock art, and it'll be because this is back when it was basically just menu based. You're in the basement of your mum, your mum's basement. And it was like, then it, we were like, oh, this is actually a good idea. We should expand this. And then the stock art just kind of didn't feel right anymore. Yeah. So we ended up getting a uh, commissioning, no, sorry, licensing, not commissioning, a bunch of art from uh, artists that Oscar found on Instagram. And our publisher reached out to all the artists and said, do you want to be in a card game? And they said, sure. So yeah, that's but sort not, of But also it, not a card game. Yeah. A game about a card game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And um 
Yeah, so every set, as you've seen, has its own artist, which sort of gives it some distinction. Um, and we wanted to have like a bit of a visual disparity between the sets as well, because not a lot of card games do that. Uh, Magic the Gathering has sort of done that recently with their like uh, comic book style, like alternate art and stuff like that, which I really like. Um, but I've always thought like a game that has a huge selection of artists and is all just a bit mishmash would be really cool. And sort of how it's ended up yeah there was um an interview that i read with uh richard garfield the inventor of magic the gathering and he was saying like he really liked how originally in the first couple of sets it was just like all just like they just give like the title and a vague description of the card to the artist and be like go wild and he's like and i he's like i loved that i I think you got all this really interesting art out of it um but eventually we kind of had to like come up with a style guide and all this stuff because we had like goblins and they'd be drawn in one set with goblins. We'd have 12 different artists and all the goblins would look completely different, like different races and stuff. And it was just like people, it ended up like hindering the gameplay because people would play a goblin and be like, wait, it's a goblin? I don't understand. You know, so we kind of realized that we could make the ideal card game because you never actually had to play the card game. So we were like, we can just have like, we can do the what Richard Garfield wanted. We can just have like whatever artists we want and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Like like a lot of the artists that are in there, I don't think, like we make them work, I think, in the context of them being on cards. But like, um, like Rosary Art is one of the artists that springs to mind where I'm like, I doubt they ever would have been like, oh yeah, I should make a card game out of these cards. Like it's very like, not what you would normally see on on trading cards and it just felt like a great opportunity to get a bunch of artists that that did something a bit different i've got a question in relation to the wider oscar britain universe um because i've noticed that the shop is right next to the shop from world pass the world's fastest pizza uh is that game part of the multiverse or part of this universe and desert child are they do you consider them all one entity well it's what's the thing in like marvel now or it's like there's variants is that what they are deviants i think yeah yeah where it's like a different universe's version of that so yeah it's like that because like in desert child like there's that song is still in that game but they're all different versions (laughs) because i don't think it makes sense to have like what happens in world's fastest pizza happening in in cardboard kings (laughs) There's no like alien like pizza delivery man. <laughs> it is a pretty fantastical world, Cardboard Kings. True, but it's more magical than that's true. Yeah, than yeah, like yeah, I don't know what world's fastest pizza. Is, yeah, I, I guess like that's that's another thing that like was like a real difficult thing to like work out. Like I, like a really 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 hard thing to work out was like get, how to like write characters into a game because <laughs> i'd never really written characters before or written anything so yeah just like working out how to get them in there and 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 like have them make sense in terms of this thing and and have them all be like distinct and stuff like i i i don't know i'm not a really a writer i don't think of myself as a writer but we had these um like i made sure that every character had like a grammatical like uh like a thing that only they did grammatically. So like Francis never uses commas. She everything is a full stop. And like uh K, the character of K, uh every sentence 
will have something written in all caps, like one word. Um, Kevin, I think, I can't remember what Kevin does. He does something stupid. <laughs> something else all know. the time. Yeah. Or, uh, he always talk, he talks in like the third person a lot and stuff. Um, yeah, stuff like that. That was really difficult to do. <laughs> What what are you most proud of? Uh, uh, you know, one that <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. But like, I think I'm, for me, I'm most proud of the thing that was the like definitely the hardest thing, and the thing I didn't enjoy doing really almost at all was writing the characters. And people will hear this and be like, "Oh yeah, I can tell you, I didn't enjoy experiencing me either." When the game comes out, but like, I'm proudest of that because I like had to force myself to do it, and then I did it, and we. How many words are in the game, Rob? It was like some fourteen thousand. Fourteen thousand. Yeah, was probably doesn't sound like that much, but it felt like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the process of translating or working with the translation team at the moment, and it feels like a lot of words. Yeah. yeah. The th- oh my god! To answer that question, what was the hardest thing that people wouldn't realize was difficult? Um, giving context for the the phrase. Mm, I got a half chub to the Russian and Japanese uh, localization cha- teams. Also, uh, so they- much Australian slang. It's yeah. insane. Like, what's a Donny? What's Barbie? So, at some point, someone said, he goes, like, what do you want for dinner tonight? And the response is just goon. And we got, like, back from every localization team, just like, why is he calling him a goon? And we're like, oh, my God, no one's going to understand this guy. <laughs> Having to explain the context. It's like, what is the context for a uh, half chub? What does he mean when he says <laughs> you're backing out of a chub? Like, yeah, that was definitely the hardest thing because I was laughing so hard mostly. <laughs> we we talk, we asked our like publisher, we're like, because there's like a, you get a list of like how, like a, a number of queries, like questions from the localization team. And I was like, what's the average number? And they're like, oh, about 50. I'm like, so if, hypothetically, we had. 550 would that be like red alert or like <laughs> you could you could put that on the box it's like yeah. highest number of yeah, queries 550 from your untranslatable australianisms <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yeah 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 that yeah. limited run when that uh, when they make the the game of this one on- we we i i asked i asked uh, uh our producer i was like um have you guys were saying like uh end of evangelion right yeah, oh, you know yeah. how it like kind of ends at like like the end of it. It's got all the like death threats and like letters and stuff, like just like montaging on the screen and stuff. And I was like, for the trailer, I was talking to my producer, I'm like, for the trailer, could we get that? But it's all the like queries. And it's like, context, can you provide context? Can you provide content? And it's just like flashing on the screen. That's really funny. <laughs> and I was like, can that be the end credit sequence? And he's like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Cardboard Kings is going to be out very, very soon. How do you feel at this moment, uh, as the time we're recording it? A bit sweaty. Um, it's been a small room. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I think this is the most... I've made three kind of games now. This is Rob's like first kind of commercial game, but I'm feeling very like, like very proud of like the design and, and just how... Like, like holistically, everything in this game sort of like fits together. I don't think there's too many like vestigial elements or anything. Like, we really trimmed it back a lot, and and everything. Yeah, everything feels like there's been several iterations of it. So there's nothing in this game feels like it wasn't exactly how we wanted it. You know, um, 
And yeah, but at the same time, not like, oh, we had this idea and, and we just ended up making that. Like it changed so much in ways we didn't realize, but like, yeah, I feel like really good about it like that. I don't know. How about you, Rob? Yeah, I'm just excited to be releasing a commercial game. <laughs> you just want to die. Like, <laughs> well, like... yeah. The, the tra- uh, localization stuff is definitely spooking me out at the moment. But, um, How long did it take to compile all the Mandarin characters? Did you uh, say? Like 18 hours or something like that <laughs> to build the fonts. It's crazy. I think that's a problem with the package I'm using or something. But yeah, no, aside from the immediate stress, I'm uh, feeling pretty good about the game. I, yeah, yeah. Like Oscar said, I think it's turned out pretty well. Pretty happy yeah. with it. Yeah. We've delayed it by two years and it was worth it. <laughs> this is like one of those few games, like, you know, people are always like, feature creep is the worst thing. And I'm like, feature creep was like the best thing on this project. Because every time we delayed it, we were like, we should add some daddies. And it's like, good idea and it's like oh man we should do this thing it's like good idea it's like oh man we should add thirty thousand chinese characters good idea like everything we delayed it for was definitely a good idea yeah Yeah. it's crazy like i've been telling that to people as well and i feel like a bit of a psycho saying like oh yeah feature creep is good (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah normally it's awful but i think it was really good for this game i think yeah it's one of those things isn't it where it's just like people like you you it's impossible to know when it's a good thing because like you might be, you might be crazy. Like, like a crazy person doesn't know they're crazy. You know what I mean? But it's like, we think this is, was a good thing, you know? So normally we get advice from people who are just about to release a game or have just released a game. And the advice I'm getting is add as many features as you possibly can and just take, <laughs> take a long time. Is that about the, some of it? Uh, I don't know, man. If the game comes out and, you know, sets the world on fire, then yes, absolutely. <laughs> But I mean, also like this was a part, like we worked on this basically part time and we started it in like mid 2019 and it's coming out like now and, you know, it doesn't feel like we, yeah, I guess it's like that thing of like, oh, you've delayed it a lot. And it's like, we haven't like, it's not like a five year project, you know what I mean? We kept having to get loans from people. It's like, I think that's the caveat you need to say with like feature creep and stuff that when it, when it's. When someone's like, oh, I could make the game, like, it, this would definitely make the game better and it's, you know, it will be bad if we don't do it. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, my advice would be, like, give part-time development a shot because I think it was actually pretty good for this game because you come up with idea and you think, okay, that sounds good. But because you're not working super fast, it might take you a while to actually implement it. Um, and having that time to, like, just think about it as you're doing going about your day or whatever you might realize like oh it's actually not the best way we could do this or maybe there's a different mechanic we could add Mm. oh like yeah for for sure there was like tons of mechanics we had that were like um they were like the the like panic that was like okay that's going to be this huge thing it's going to be tons of work but that's that's it like we're going to have this whole like system with like pros would use a card and it would make the price go up And, and it's like at the end of the day it's like what did we have that for? It was like, oh, to give a sense that prices are changing and then we found like a way easier way of doing that, getting exactly that same feeling and it didn't have to be this huge um, like rigmarole and stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It really reminds me of um, going to the Fremantle markets uh, to the card shop that was there and begging my parents to give me a bit of money so I could buy one booster pack and getting mostly trash, but liking the pictures. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, 
Oscar and Rob, uh, Cabo Kings is out very soon. Can you tell us exactly when it's coming out or is that still hush-hush at this point? Uh, we can say within the next three months. How about that? <laughs> okay. Very, very soon. Uh, so keep an eye out that for when that comes out. If you want to find out more information, you can go to uh, henryshouse.com.au where you can find that or find it on, on Steam. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us once again. Always a pleasure, Oscar. And nice to welcome you to Lightmap, uh, Rob. Uh, thanks for being part of this episode. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great to see you guys again. I miss you guys. <laughs> You'll have to. We have been. We've been separated by. Uh, you know, normally we'd be over there every year, coming to hang out with you. Um, but I know that's the challenge of a global pandemic. I know. We'll bring you a new dingo flower shirt. Yeah, we will. I'll get you a dingo flower hat and bring it across. Actually, um, a new one. It's like it's shrunk in the wash now. So. All right. <laughs> Consider that done. Um, Sifter is produced by Fiona Bartholomeus, Nicholas Kenny, Daniel Ang, Sarah Island, Viv Thumb, and Adam Christo. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer. Thanks for joining me, Mitch. Hey, no worries. Good to be here. And my name is Gianni Giovanni, and I am the executive producer. You can find links uh, to everything we talked about uh, on our website, which is sifter.com.au. You can read more about the games and the guests that we've featured. Uh, And Mitch, if people want to join the Sifter community, where can they go? Yeah, so you can go to sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. Uh, there we talk about anime, games, uh, what we've been playing, uh, things we don't like, um, and share all our creative work, including photography, uh, miniatures, uh, physical painting, uh, and all that, and all the things we've been working on, other game development. Uh, so it's a great place, place to be if you want to share something you've created. And uh, if you want to help us out for free, uh, please share the show. Uh, word of mouth is very important to indie podcasts like this one. So let your friends know if you think they will like it. Uh, you can send them a link. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them on our website. Uh, and while you're there, you'll also find the Sifter store where you can find a bunch of unique Australian-designed uh, T-shirts that support independent gaming journalism in Australia. That's just sifter.store if you want to go there and throw a few dollars our way uh, so we can buy a Dingo Flower T-shirt for Oscar. Uh, that'll be really, really good. So sifter.store. That's all for this time. Oscar and Rob, thanks again so much for being part of Lightmap. Thanks. Thanks, man. And until next time, have fun. Chris Button here from Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Unicorn Overlord might have a strange name, but don't dismiss its tactical prowess. It uses a, a tactics mode, um, and which is similar to the Gambit system that was in Final Fantasy XII for your um, uh, your squad mates, and you can say, okay, well, 
you know, Hodrick, who's my legionnaire with the big shield, I want him to prioritize protecting the back row. They're going to take the most damage. If they take a physical hit, they're going to go down, but I need them to be protected. So you can get quite granular with this. And I reckon you can build some pretty wild builds that are <laughs> totally game breaking, um, but it's kind of the fun of the tactical squad based gameplay in Unicorn Overlord. Tune in to Drop Rate to find out why Unicorn Overlord might just be one of 2024's sleeper hits. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.